I'm Danny, that witch next door. And you're listening to That Witch Podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another week here at That Witch Podcast. I'm Danny. I'm your host. I'm your guide, your mentor and instructor in all things magic, witchcraft, astrology, and witchy business. That witch next door. How are you? It's a new week. We are in November. I was just talking about this over on the pre-show tarot reading over on YouTube. We're really in Scorpio season. We are sort of nearing the end here. The sun is going to move into Sagittarius. One day I will read quickly. Oh, my thumb. Maybe I should not cover up the transit with my thumb. (laughs) Yeah, that's going to be Sunday, November 21st, 7.33 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Might be Mountain Daylight Time, actually. Pretty sure we'll already hit Daylight Savings. And the sun will officially be into Sagittarius at that time. So we have little over a week left here in Scorpio season. And are things feeling a little brash? Are things feeling a little harsh possibly? (laughs) Uh, I think that this is a bit of a compound effect. This totally happens sometimes, especially with those interpersonal planets, since they're all so close to the sun, they can all kind of start to congeal into one sign and we can get a real overabundance of that energy. So obviously sun's already been in Scorpio for a little bit. Mars went into Scorpio last week and then Mercury went into Scorpio on Friday last week. And... Honestly, Venus went into Capricorn, which kind of added to the Scorpio energy. (laughs) Capricorn and Scorpio actually have quite a bit of commonality in their energy, I find. So I think that Venus being the planet that she is moving into the sign of Capricorn that it is on top of all of the Scorpio energy, I think it kind of actually amplified the, the bluntness. Capricorn, Scorpio, they don't really fake it to you. Now, Scorpio can be master manipulator. We know this. We've talked about this before. But they're not really fake. they, They can lie because they can to get something that they want. Especially, again, from a very unevolved place. But it's not, we don't see a lot of like people pleasing in Scorpio. We don't see a lot of like sacrificing who they are authenticity wise or, you know, and it's very, very much the same in Capricorn. Both are very, well, authenticity concerned. They really are very, they both highly, highly value genuinity. So, Things probably feel a little bit brash, a little bit blunt, maybe a little raw, maybe a little harsh. Don't be afraid to take a step back, uh, you know, validate your own feelings and then remove your feelings from the situation and look at, is this person being quote unquote mean to me or genuinely hurtful to me? 
Or is this person sharing a very, very real truth of theirs? And it makes me feel, you know, fill in the blank, uncomfortable, sad, embarrassed, whatever that might be. So I, I am with you. I hear you. I have talked to several folks in the neighborhood the last week and every single one of us has been really feeling that kind of harsh rawness of this particular Scorpio season and this particular Scorpio energy. So um, just practice a lot, a lot of grace with yourself right now. Okay. Okay. Now I do want to make a really quick note. I am attempting to record this podcast with my daughter home. This is the first time I've ever done that. We'll see how it goes. Could have no problems. Could have tons of problems. Stick with me. Well, I'll try and edit it out. (laughs) So sorry if I get a little bit distracted. Or maybe you get to hear a cute little voice. You never know. It might make your day. Now, let's keep going. We are here. It's episode two of the Applicable Astrology mini-series. Last week's episode was an explanation of kind of where the podcast is going and really my announcement of this big, big journey into astrology and how to actually use that. And if you didn't hear last week's episode, I do really recommend listening to it just so that you do feel nice and fresh and caught up because we are going to dive straight in today. We are now on to the fifth house. So we have left Cancer and we are now into traditionally what is ruled by Leo. I have pulled up for me, if you want to take a moment to pull up for yourself, a copy of the astrological wheel or the zodiac wheel. I have posted a link in the description of the show notes, uh, to thatwitchnextdoor.com slash resourcage. That'll take you to a page with a diagram that I found online. And I just now noticed it's totally cut off at the top. But we're not talking about those ones today. So I will get that fixed for everybody. But okay. In the fifth house, we're ruled by Leo, like I said. The sun rules Leo in the fifth house traditionally. This is fire energy, and this is a fixed modality. I do want to let you know that as far as elemental energy goes, we covered that really thoroughly in the fundamentals of magic episodes. We did a two-part of the elementals, and I'll link those in the show description, but I'm not focusing on the elemental energy today because we already created a nice solid foundation of that. If you have not already listened to that, it is really, really helpful to listen to that as well as the other episodes I have linked prior to this one, honestly, to get the most out of this um, astrology mini series, I would listen to those first. Now, if you have already listened to those elementals episodes, I want you to kind of refresh that in your mind. You can re-listen to them or just in general, kind of tap back into that mentally. Remember a little bit what we talked about and use that, like I said, as a good base and foundation for everything that we talk about in this applicable astrology series. It really helps when you start with a big umbrella like the elemental energy and then continue on in layers like we are. 
So in the fifth house, we are in the fire element, but we're in a fixed modality. And so we are back to that very, very sustaining energy, just like we were in Taurus. Okay. So anytime we're dealing with the fixed sign, we are dealing with longevity. Okay. This, that's the way that this sign moves and operates. A fixed Leo definitely likes repetition of fun, joyful, playful things. Let me give you a bit of an example. In the fifth house is where we finally embrace pleasure and joy. So we went through the whole quadrant. I'm not going to review all of that, but know that at least we just left off from being introduced to our emotional experience in the fourth house. Okay. So being introduced to all of those values that comes with first learning about our emotions. And so in Leo, because we have now come from a family, we have now come from roots, okay? We've come from some meaningful place. In Leo, there is this overabundance of joy and a drive to pass that on as much as possible. So does that make a little sense why a Leo and, well, just, I hate saying a Leo, just Leo placements, Leo energy in general, really, really wants to keep the fun going, okay? Wants to keep the joy going because it comes from this really overfilling cup. That's that's really one of the most beautiful, beautiful things about this house. Now, it's definitely not all sunshine and rainbows here. Do not get me wrong. There's a lot of... Well, kind of transformation actually in the fifth house, which is a beautiful, amazing thing, but transformation is not an easy thing. Honestly, literally ever. I I would, I would really argue that, that transformation is literally never easy. If you have a good example of any time transformation is easy, I would genuinely like to hear it. I'm I really would. Maybe I'm not thinking of something. But other than that, I think transformation is growing pains and death of old things and habits and self and maybe loss of people. And, you know, transformation is is not easy in my experience, most people's experience. And so in this house, in Leo, and this is why Leo is the leader and the the courageous centric energy that it is we are introduced to our self expression and therefore our heart's passion our creativity that's why leo's are one of the signs very very concerned with with one's truth with one's heart's passion okay Leo really, Leo energy really doesn't want to dim others' lights. Leo is about that overabundance of light, right? That overabundance of warmth. I want everyone to be able to shine. And this is very reminiscent of the sun energy energy that's there. This, this sun rulership 
In astrology, the sun really, really represents our life force. Now, when you connect that to Leo and you connect that to the fifth house, this makes a clear, clear connection to me for where our heart's passion comes from, right? It's the why I keep doing the thing I do every day. It's why I keep playing the survival game, if you will. It's why I I keep wanting to stick around. There's joy. There's joy and pleasure in the world. And it deserves to be had and sought after. These are themes of the sun. These are themes of the fifth house. And these are themes of Leo. Now, because this house, and now we're really focusing on the house itself's energy here, because this house is concerned with this heart's passion, right? And this overabundance of joy and this continuing actually of joy and pleasure and and passion. Self-expression is more accurate actually. Um, This is a house of legacies, legacies of all kinds in our personal world, in our internal world, anything to do with our imprint and what we leave behind, any of our ripple effects moving forward, that's going to be in the fifth house. That's what I mean by our legacies of all kinds. And because of this, this is the home where our children are. This is a house that you look at um, to look at your traits and energy as a parent figure yourself. So if you are a parent or you want to be or you're planning to be or whatever, this is the house that you look to for some more understanding of that area, okay? Now, if you are somebody that doesn't have children and does not want to have any children, that doesn't mean that you don't have a legacy. It is, it's not that case at all. Every single one of us, every single one of us beings Every choice that we make, every action we make, every word that we speak has some kind of ripple effect, okay? And so every single one of us then therefore inherently has legacies. It is what you want to leave behind in this world. And again, typically, hopefully, whatever that is comes from this very heart-centered place, which is why the sun rules over our heart center, actually. So in this house, in this sun energy, in this Leo energy, have you been able to kind of pick up yet what might be some of the downfalls or what might be some of the areas of struggle? One of the biggest ones is fear of the dark, lack of shadow work, um, fear of the tough things, of the hard things. And this is where Leo and fifth house energy in general finds its internal battle is this need for this need and drive to nonconformity because of and in the name of self-expression and leadership, right? Um, but that requires some shadow work that requires some accountability and looking at yourself and um, right, there's some dark, and some dark attributes to transformative style and type of work. And this is where Leo ends up being its own worst enemy because it wants to transform and it's got this drive. And yet it feels totally and completely held back and usually doesn't understand why. And so it's, again, usually a lot of signs are, are being its own 
worst en- enemy more often than not. It's an area to look at for shadow work. Anytime you notice self-sabotage anywhere, look to that energy in your chart, like the sign that you really are attributing it to, or look to the house, whatever area of life that you know it's attributed to, and look at the energy that's there and try to identify and define some self-sabotage cycles and how you can really combat through these. This is what I think this tour of the Zodiac wheel is really, really beneficial for. When you have a big understanding of the energy that's there in general, I think that you can work with it so much easier. You can identify and dissect it so, so, so much easier. Um, So don't be afraid to look at all sides of the energies of everything we're talking about both sides of Aries, both sides of the 12th house, both, right? Everything is naturally dualistic, like we've talked about. So the reason you think of Leo energy and sun energy, egotistical, right? Being very prideful is because of that self-sabotage cycle. It's a self-fear cycle of having to go through the transformation process. And so This is a, again, I'm going to say this for every house. Sorry, not sorry. This is a really important stage and area of life to look at and make sure is really healthy. This entire bottom hemisphere that we're coming, going through first really does need to provide a strong, solid foundation so that we can achieve our full potential on the top hemisphere, which we'll get to in a few episodes. So from Leo from pleasure and joy, from working with our ego and our pride issues, right? Um, We then move into the sixth house. Now, the sixth house is traditionally ruled by Virgo and Mercury. This is an earth house, but I do not want you to forget that there is some air there because of this Mercury rulership, okay? So I personally see the sixth house very dualistic as a little bit airy and a little bit earthy because Virgo really, really brings it down to earth. But at the same time, Virgo is of the earth signs, probably the most cerebral. It's the closest because of Mercury rulership. It's the closest to acting and, and being recognized as an air type of sign or an air energy type, okay? So in the sixth house, we have self-improvement. We have refinement. We have improvement in general, but overall, it is all really in regards to self. Well, that's the point anyway. A lot of our sixth houses, a lot of people, their sixth house energy, the way it looks at in their life or the way it looks like in their life is an area where they serve everybody else because we're really conditioned not to take care of ourselves and to just blow our energy everywhere else and run ourselves into the ground. So for most of us, our sixth house energy looks like totally giving ourselves away. However, the purpose of it in this traditional astrological wheel here is uh, self-improvement, self-service. Now, when I say self-service, this is a very, very general term. 
It's serving yourself in any way necessary. This is really, really, truly the house where you meet your needs of all kinds, all of them. Of course, when you want to really get into specific needs, if I'm looking at emotional needs, I'm going to look to the moon sign, obviously. Hey, maybe it's in the sixth house. No, but the sixth house is where I look to when I work with people that struggle with self-care, which is most people. I don't usually look to the moon sign right away, even though they are probably neglecting their own emotional needs. Instead, I look to the sixth house and take a look at how they might be taking care of themselves or lack thereof. So there is... There is so much potential in this house, okay? And this is the reason why in the last episode, we covered the first four houses. In this one, we're going to be finishing up with just uh, Leo and Virgo. I, I want to spend a little time finishing up here on the sixth house for this reason. And then next time we'll be starting our journey on the top half of the hemisphere and uh, voyaging into the seventh house. But this house has so much potential in it because it is how we take everything we learned in houses one through five and apply it so that, again, we can reach our full potential at the external parts and world of our chart, the top half. However, what tends to happen is this is, in my opinion, probably the most neglected house of all. First house does get neglected a lot, but I, I really would say sixth, more than any of them. It gets the, the worst reputation. You know, it's the house of bad luck and bad fortune. I interpret that in a way that, you know, maybe other astrologers disagree with and I'll take that. That's fine. But I think the reason that it might be a house of bad luck or bad fortune is again, because we really are these empathetic creatures. I do think that we have a drive to connect with each other and take care of one another. We are conditioned not to take care of ourselves, like I told you. But at the same time, I do think that some of that's natural. I think we're born with some, with some tendencies to put ourselves last. At least a big majority of the collective, I would say. I would at least say it that way. And so I think that when you get to the sixth house and you get to self-service, you are, you know, doomed in a little bit of a way. And that's where that comes from. Because you come out, you know, really, really valuing your loved one's well-being and, and really being taught the beauty of self-sacrifice. I'm not saying that there's not a lot of nobility in, in selflessness, but there is a lot, a lot of damage in self-neglect. 
that I can say 100% for sure. I find that because this is probably the most neglected house, it's the house I'm going to leave you with today that I want you to explore. I'm challenging you to explore your sixth house. I find that people even with six house stelliums avoid it, meaning this large concentration of energy is there and they still avoid it. Why? Because this is an earth house with a lot of air influence. There is not a big calling for emotion here. And so I think that it's really hard for us to form an attachment to ourselves, an emotional attachment to ourselves. And that's why we don't take care of ourselves the way we do for other people. Think about it in houses one through five that we just went through. We really develop our biggest emotional attachments to other people. Really? Our relationship to self so far on the bottom half has been um, basic, very survival, very, very base needs level. And so I... Again, anything that went below this or beneath the surface and went deeper was in the name of other people, whether it was in our family or in our children, right? As we went through those houses. And so this makes it harder, however, not impossible to form a healthy attachment with ourselves. And so in this house is born a lot of perfectionism. And I think right off of the bat, you're probably going to hear that word and think that that's automatically a shadow quality of this house. And of course it can be, obviously. However, it's a massive, massive strength of this house. If you have been listening to this show since the very beginning, you heard me on my soapbox about Virgo energy at the very, very beginning when I first released the show, actually. And I'm going to repeat myself here a little bit again about perfectionism because it can be a total, total self-destructive quality. I am not going to lie about that. Listen, I struggle with it myself. But because I struggle with it myself, I also know how empowering it is. I know very confidently every day that I try my fucking best. I know that. And the days that I don't, I kind of own that. I'm like, I know that I didn't try my best today. I, that's what my perfectionist inside of me does. And I like that reality. I like that, that honesty with myself. And so don't be, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is Virgo, definitely Mercury. And the sixth house gets really avoided and honestly kind of shit on a lot. And I want you to really explore, explore this energy. Virgo is this dual nature of the virgin, but at the same time has some of the deepest sensuality of any of the other signs because it's the earth maiden. And so understanding its own complexities is a challenge for Virgo, again, because there's not an emotional pull or call here. So really diving into its own depths isn't a natural tendency. However, the Virgo energy, your Virgo placements or wherever that Virgo house is for you, really diving into that and having the bravery to to face your Virgo placements. Real, I mean, on a deep, complex level, not this surface level. I know my Virgo. I'm a neat freak. I clean everything and I'm organized. Uh-uh. I want you to start exploring Virgo on a much deeper level than that because you are not doing yourself any good by just writing it off as this type A organized sign and moving on from that. It is 
there is so much depth to Virgo and honesty, honestly, in and of itself, there is a lot of mystery there and it's calling and begging to be explored. The shadow quality is that fear of, of starting the journey of exploration because of the perfectionistic qualities. Virgo's afraid of the problems it might find. Sixth house, this is why we are, this is why we're avoidant of it. We're afraid of the problems we might find because no matter what rules there, that's the point of that house is to decipher where issues are and to improve them. And that sucks. <laughs> Let's just be honest. That just sucks doing within yourself. However, again, I firmly believe that it is one of the biggest, most important, critical keys of the bottom hemisphere of the chart to unlock your full potential in the top half. If you are that person that feels, keeps feeling like there's something you're not getting over, you know, I know that I need to move my body more. I can feel that my body needs more movement and I haven't made time to give it the gentle movement that it is craving or... I, I know, I know that my body is telling me I'm overworked or that I'm burnt out or that I'm giving myself too much to someone. I can see in my health that there is a decline here and here because of this and this, this that I can't let go or this that I keep going to, okay? Even though that is terrifying because it feels like you're going to get lost in self-criticism. I want you to explore that sixth house energy first going into it with the mindset that all imperfections are in and of themselves perfect, okay? There is always growth. Of course, we can improve things, right? But challenge yourself to go and do the, the self-audit that I'm talking about. Do the self-refinement, you know, make the adjustments. Don't be afraid to make the adjustments necessary. And, not but, and go into it with a lot of radical self-acceptance and a lot of radical self-love. Go into it with a lot of gratitude for your journey thus far, for the progress you have made thus far. Okay, because I guarantee you've come a long way since like five years ago, 10 years ago. Am I right? The best way to create effective change, whether it's dealing with your mercury placement, your, your sixth house energy, wherever your Virgo placements are, the best way to activate and work with those energies are in the small little details, okay? This house is all about the small things the small rituals, the small daily routines that lead up to the biggest, well, improvement, right? Because we're in the house of self-improvement, improvement in your life, okay? This isn't about, I'm gonna make this giant list of goals that already feels overwhelming and is gonna make me feel like a failure right off of the bat. No, 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 no. This is small, digestible, tangible, effective bits of change. So, Instead of getting on your phone first thing in the morning, drink a big glass of water. You've probably heard me talk about that a lot. It's so life-changing doing that one tiny little thing. Instead of getting on your phone to look at everybody's Instagram stories, get on time passages and learn a little bit more about your Mars squaring your Pluto, which is a big, tough transit to have if you have that. <laughs> um, 
little things, okay? Little things. And if you need a reminder of little things like that, I really encourage you to go back and listen to the episode, The Power of Ritual, where we really talk about how significant and profound the small magic is. That's what really leads up to the biggest manifestations. That is sixth house stuff. That episode is actually a very good example of sixth house energy. Okay, so... I know that last time we covered a lot. I know that this one was a quickie today, but we really got in deep into some Leo, fifth house, sun, Virgo, Mercury, sixth house energy. And I think that's good. I'm glad to be leaving you on this note. I want you to have the courage to face and dive into and explore your sixth house. I guarantee your fifth house experience will be a lot more pleasure-centric and joyful if you're also taking care of yourself in your sixth house. Maybe use that as motivation. (laughs) So let me know over the next couple of days before we get to our next episode where we will start in the seventh house. Next episode will be seven through nine, okay? Um, Let me know in the meantime if you have any questions, if any breakthroughs come through to you, right? Like I really would love to connect about this. And as always, thank you. Thank you for being here. You are a wonderful, amazing, magical human being. And I am so blessed and grateful to get to do this show for you every day. All right, everybody. Until Friday, until next time, you stay magical out there. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's episode of That Witch Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard here today, I would be really grateful if you would head over to iTunes right now and leave a super nice five-star review. You can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at thatwitch.nextdoor. I love connecting with all of you outside the show. Keep those questions, keep those comments coming. You can send fan art suggestions for topics on the show. You can nominate people to be interviewed on the show. Send anything like that to thatwitchnextdoor at gmail.com. And if you'd like to work together, I am offering a really amazing mentorship program. I'm only offering a very, very limited number of spots. You can submit your application and learn more on my website. And you can also book a one-on-one session with me at thatwitchnextdoor.com. Thank you so much again, and I'll see you all next week.